What's up, everyone? I'm Katherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. On this episode, we have Nick Rogers, a solutions engineer here at R3, who is constantly helping me with any of my coding needs. And Stephanie Perez is also on to talk about all the different ways that the healthcare industry can benefit from blockchain technology. Poor Nick was asked to come into the studio about 30 seconds before this was recorded, and he crushed it nonetheless. And Stephanie teaches me a lot about things on the healthcare industry that I didn't even think about. I kind of just thought the blockchain could help me with my own health records like MRIs, x-rays, physicals, and kind of owning that data. But there are loads of ways it can be applied to the industry. Cool stuff. Let's get to it. I'm here with Nick Rogers. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. Um, for our listeners, I just basically ran up to Nick's desk and, and forced him to come on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being flexible. Yeah, no problem. Happy to. Okay, great. So tell me, why did you choose to work at R3 and what do you do here? Okay, it's a fantastic question. So I'll start with the latter half. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a solutions engineer at R3, mm-hmm. so I've been here for four months now, and time has flown by. Wow, four um, months. Yeah, it goes really quickly. Yeah, it does. I've done everything from building decentralized applications to working with clients to kind of gather functional requirements. Uh, mm-hmm. I've facilitated workshops. I've helped with the training. There's no shortage of work, and yeah. it's been really, really exciting. I think it's been like a fast and furious foray into developing distributed applications. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Why I ended up working at R3 is another story entirely. Because uh, of the podcast. Life because the of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, really, it was one of my first touch points with the, with the company, like hearing the podcast, which is kind of funny. But way funny. back last year, I was working as a technical consultant in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And... I'm a huge fan of the show The Office. Uh, uh, it's the best show in the world. That's a fact. Yeah, no, it's I've, a fact. That's an U.S. Office, fact. obviously. People yes. in the U.K. sometimes get a little weird about it, and they're like, <laughs> oh, well, the U.K. version is better, right. and U.S. is so so good. And I don't want to offend our U.K. listeners out there. No, no, no just, I don't either, but it's a fact. It's totally true. Um, <laughs> Michael Scott is the funniest man on the planet. Is but. who I, uh, I strive to be, except I, I would like to work a little harder than him, but still have <laughs> the same attitude, I think is what I'm going for. Sorry, continue. So I'm like halfway through the series, which I guarantee I've watched four or five times. Mm-hmm. And this is right in the height of the crypto bubble. Mm-hmm. I got to the episode where Dwight Schrute describes Schrute bucks. <laughs> so I made it like my life's mission. I had never written a line of code in my life to create Schrute bucks. Wait, wait. So this was kind of recent. Yeah, it was. So what do you mean? You've never you never wrote code before, and you decided to create Shroot Bucks. Yeah. So I went into the Ethereum world and started taking snippets of Solidity code, um, rewriting parts that I understood, mm-hmm. and I eventually got to this point where I had like a Shroot Buck, but I didn't know what the hell to do with it because I didn't have the development skills to go and build a front end or distribute it. So, funny enough. Um, I had enjoyed the process so much that I quit my job, moved to New York, and dove headfirst into like a three-month learn-to-code program. Okay. And I spent like hundreds of hours a week learning the basics of JavaScript, the basi- the basics of Solidity and Ethereum, um, and then popped my head out at the end of that and was like, I want to do this as a job. So I started researching the space, 
evaluated all the enterprise opportunities because I had really liked my role previously, which was in enterprise software. Mm-hmm. Um, and R3 came up again and again and again as this like innovative company in the blockchain space, mm-hmm. making real things yeah. with a distributed ledger platform. So I went from shrewd bucks to <laughs> an actual product, but the journey has been fantastic. And I don't think there's anywhere else I could have learned more. Are you serious? That <laughs> is such a good story. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, I assumed, though, that you... So you started working here, and everyone, when you when you start working, you kind of have to hit the ground running. Mm. Um, and I just assumed that you were, like, a developer for years and years and years, like, just trying to get into the enterprise space. No, I'm, I'm one of those uh, converts. I was a product project manager, mm-hmm. and I remember going to my developers so frequently and being like, how do I estimate this feature? What does it do? Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take you to build? and wanting to be able to give those answers myself. Yeah. So that in combination with like a deep uh, need to be involved in the crypto space led me to R3. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good story. Thanks. I did not know that. Yeah, so it was a pretty quick turnaround, but I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, and you're killing it. I feel like I see Austin Moothart is on the podcast quite a bit. Mm. And Austin, if you're listening, I swear I want you back on the podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like, what the hell? I had right. some episodes where I was in it like every time, and now I am not on it all the time. And Austin, I swear, I love you. You'll come back on. Um, but Austin, and you work very closely together. Yeah, yeah. Austin and I work very closely. Yeah, he's a great uh, mentor. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you kind of hit all this, all the the points, like why blockchain shroot bucks is very important. Of course, yeah, that's still a product that's coming. I'm just gonna re, I'm gonna replatform it to Corda, and then we'll release it. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the most exciting thing. Yeah. I'm the biggest fan. I'm I'm constantly during the day quoting uh, the Office, but I don't think people realize. Seriously? Oh yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, sure. we need more of that here. Yeah, no, no, I agree. <laughs> um, so what's your favorite thing about kind of working in the space? Because it seems like you like to yeah. learn, obviously. So are you like constantly learning new things about Corda, about blockchain, about all that stuff since coming here? We have a joke on the solutions team that uh, we are consistently in uncharted waters. So one mm-hmm. of the things I like about working in this space is we're solving net new problems. Mm-hmm. These are problems that not only are, are new to us and you know our company, but are new generally for not to be like um, a total zealot here, but for the human race. Like we are solving things that have literally never come up before because distributed ledger technology is, it's actually fairly old, but like commercial applications of it are really new. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, yeah, facing totally new challenges. And some of that comes from just creative endeavors from myself and other people on the team. like. Right now, I'm rebuilding um, a board game mm-hmm. on the on the ledger using mm-hmm. Corda, and it's a very different use case than a yeah. lot of the financial applications we've built so far. Mm-hmm. And going through that process and understanding, you know, where the platform really excels, where we still have work to do, and how we can take those learnings and apply them to client projects has been, again, very unique to this role. Yeah. Yeah, so later on in the episode, we have Stephanie Perez, and she talks about healthcare and uh, that mm-hmm. industry and how they can use uh, blockchain and Corda and, and the problems that it can solve. But it's right. truly, and one of the things that uh, we talk about in, in that portion of this episode is how, like, industry to industry, you're really solving kind of the same problems mm-hmm. and applying this technology to 
I don't know, use cases in those industries and like right. a board game. I think that's a that's yeah, a it's cool kind one. of a fun like novel use case. That's I hope fun. to release it to uh, the open source community because that's also growing pretty steadily with Corda. Yeah, and that uptake is fantastic. I mean, that's the reason why we build this product so that in my mind anyways, a community of developers like me who maybe had limited experience mm-hmm. um, in the world of development can learn the product, build cool stuff, start a business, or get a job. Yeah. That was kind of like a like drop the mic kind of boom moment. I talked about da- that with Dave Hudson. I'm good <laughs> Actually, I, I named the last episode Dave Hudson drops the mic about five times. Dave Hudson. And it's because he did. Oh, my God. He continues to do that. Every time I talk to him, I'll ask him a simple question, and he'll describe in great detail how he's either done it before or is currently doing it now. He stands up in oh, whiteboards, yeah. and I'm like, wow, holy shit. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So you just had a Dave Hudson uh, drop the mic moment. Fantastic. That was amazing. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks um, for having me. Can I convince you to come back on another time? I'll give you a little bit more notice. <laughs> With a little more lead time? Sure. Would love that. <laughs> okay. Good. Nick Rogers, everybody. Thanks so much. In the studio with Stephanie Perez from the partner team. How are you doing today, Stephanie? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing pretty well. I'm not sick. I was sick for a couple episodes of the podcast, which obviously made it a little strange <laughs> uh, for the listeners, but that is all right. How were your holidays? They were good. They were good. It's always nice to kind of step out to the office, spend some time with family. So really enjoy Yes, it. that is so nice. So let's kick off with an interesting thing about yourself. Let's see. Um, I'm actually a born and bred New Yorker. That is interesting. Yeah. It's so funny because there's so many folks who have been in New York for decades, and then when you talk to them, they're like, I've actually never really met someone who was born and raised in Manhattan. But really? Yeah. You've never met anyone? Um, or like not many people? No, but not... People don't know as many people who were born and bred in New York. Um, no, that's so true. Many of my friends who I actually grew up with in the city are no longer here. So, oh, yeah. So you you must love it here. I do. Have yeah. you lived in different neighborhoods in the city? I have. Okay, I have. cool. Where are you right now? I'm in Chelsea. Yeah, don't give exact address because you'll have like <laughs> <laughs> stalkers showing up. Um, yeah, I really like Chelsea. It's nice. It's like good food, good shopping. Yeah. Definitely. I totally agree. All right. So you focus a lot on the healthcare industry, correct? Yes. I have to admit, I don't know too much about the healthcare industry. Yeah, no. um, As of the last couple of months, we've been starting to focus on other adjacent industries. So traditionally, R3 has been known for focusing on financial services and insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are actually many adjacent industries as well, um, like healthcare, oil and gas, telco. Um, that would really benefit some of the architectural work that we've done and seen in many of the other use cases in other industries. Yeah, no, definitely. So what problems is the healthcare industry currently facing uh, that would need a different technology like blockchain? Yeah, so I think, you know, irrespective of what particular use case you're looking at or whether it has to do with a payer, a provider, or a pharma company, um, I think some of the kind of trends and problems experienced are pretty much the same within the healthcare space. Yeah. So the, the lack of proper information exchange, reliance on centralized systems, um, which are quite expensive, actually. Yeah. Uh, lack of managed consent, uh, poor data lineage, uh, increasing regulatory scrutiny and compliance as well. Um, yeah. And these are trends that we see in other industries as well, right? So it's not just um, healthcare. We see those in financial services, too. 
Yeah, no, definitely. We've heard a lot of, on the podcast, we've had a bunch of different people in different industries talking about basically the same problems mm-hmm. um, that the healthcare industry kind of faces. Yeah, so, you know, I think um, in regards to, you know, why blockchain, um, I think the biggest thing to, to ask yourself is why blockchain versus a centralized system. Yeah. Um, and in a centralized system, we trust each other and the data that's being stored, right? Um, by contrast, on a blockchain, the nodes don't necessarily trust each other yeah. and have to independently verify data that they receive from each other. Um, so only once consensus has actually occurred can you add the data t- to the ledger. Um, and I think databases are designed to access the current state of an object, and its history can be really easily erased. Um, yeah. In a blockchain, you have greater mutability and audibility. Um, you can't delete data without everyone else knowing that you've done so, right? Yeah. Um, you also have, I, I think it's superior over existing electronic messaging-based um, implementations in that information held regarding a particular transaction or data exchange um, and its status are actually immediately available to all parties involved in that, right? On yeah. a pre-agreed uh, basis. Um, and then when it comes to Cordic, you know, I think I'm sure folks have spoken about this in the pod previously, but I think some of the virtues of Corda um, that are a bit different from some of the other blockchain platforms are there, out there um, are really privacy, right? So P2P connectivity between um, u- unique and uniquely verified um, real-world identities and scalability. So yeah. scalable as each node doesn't have to handle all the transactions. Um, Corda doesn't have full database replication, but it does provide a, a chain of replicated data between knowing parties, right? Um, and then also interoperability, right? Interoperability between these different types of networks that will evolve over time. Yeah, definitely. So are there any use cases out there right now in the healthcare world? Yeah, for sure. Um, there are actually an increasing number of use cases on Corda, which we're really excited about. Um, yeah. So in particular, you know, for, for value-based care, which is really big in the healthcare space right now, we see a focus on patient outcomes to reduce spend mm-hmm. and increase the overall wellness of the healthcare system. Um, but there are actually a lot of great challenges, um, like the administrative burden or the technical limitations of setting up um, such kind of value-based pricing models, right? So. Firstly, there's really a need to be in agreement between parties on what a positive result Mm -hmm. um, on patients is and what that actually means. Um, Secondly, you know, data needs to be provided and shared to approve or um, disprove the the positive result, right? And then lastly, highly sensitive data needs to be handled in a really secure um, and immutable manner. Mm -hmm. Um, So one interesting use case that we've actually seen is for bundled payments. Um, So you can think of bundled payments as something like hip replacement or mm-hmm. birthing, right, where there's a set price set for a particular um, procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this would greatly benefit from blockchain in particular. Um, so bundling payments for, for the entire episode means that many different providers have to work together and coordinate care uh, for the best patient outcome. This means that they need to share the same data um, of their shared patient. Um, and blockchain offers a, a way to not only get the data more quickly, but can also tie the actual payment through smart contracts on the blockchain in near real time. And mm-hmm. we actually have a partner um, based out of Atlanta called HS Box, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, mm-hmm. who has built a solution to really operationalize these episodes of care using smart contracts. Um, so the smart contracts, and really the intention is to have many of these in a library, uh, would detail what is included and excluded um, and what different levels of payments would be while being connected to all the stakeholders through the blockchain. Um, so through Corda, there's distribution of information. Um, on a governed need-to-know basis, which would allow you to really massively scale these types of contract approaches. Um, you'd have greater transparency on pricing, increased quality of data, and really one golden source of truth. Yeah, so it's so funny now that I'm thinking about all this stuff that 
healthcare system as it is right now and how like you have all these different doctors doing different things and not being able to share that data like mm-hmm. in an efficient way drives me crazy. It's crazy, right? As a patient, when <laughs> you have to figure that, you know, I've done that for myself, I've done it for my parents, and it's so cumbersome. The interesting thing is that um, for a lot of these kind of electronic health records that mm-hmm. you're speaking about, um, big providers and healthcare systems spend millions, sometimes mm-hmm. billions of dollars on these systems, and they're really two big incumbents in the space that control a lot of this. Um, they require a lot of customization. But a lot of it is internal to, to a particular healthcare system, right? Not necessarily yeah. between different providers that belong to different um, hospitals, for example. So it's a really cumbersome process. Um, yeah. I see the, the kind of management of a lot of these electronic health records on blockchain being something that's probably a little further down the line yeah. um, from a use case perspective. But nonetheless, I would say the, the sexiest of all the healthcare use cases. Yeah, no, definitely. I think. I've been going to, I've gotten like some MRIs recently and I've gotten in New York because there's a million hospitals. <laughs> so you can get them done like in a bunch of different places. So I've been to, I think, two or three different hospitals and then it's my doctor sending them to them. So then it's just like every, there's so many different ways, like people who have this information and I need like my one doctor to have it. And I just think about this all the time. Like, Imagine oh, if you could own that data and I then know. manage the consent of that data. How I awesome know. That I'm like, and also I'm requesting data about myself mm-hmm. too. So I find that very interesting. Like I don't actually have the information unless I request the tests. Yes. So that's a whole other thing. Oh my gosh. Crazy I think about this all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> I really think about it. And you know, it's so funny. Now we're seeing, um, because we're open source, obviously there are quite a lot of folks that build applications mm-hmm. outside of the purview of R3 and then come to us for, um, kind of assistance in their go-to-market or because they're interested in uh, the enterprise version of Corda, mm-hmm. Corda Enterprise. Um, so we learn about a lot of different startups and companies building these use cases. We've actually learned of some companies focusing on um, clinical trial research, which is a really interesting one um, from a supply chain, which is really intuitive, right? It's kind of what we yeah. see in many of the other um, supply chain use cases. Provider credentialing is also a really interesting one. So um. the idea that a provider or doctor needs to um, be able to provide credentials to attest to the fact that you know they studied at NYU and that they gotcha. practiced at New York Presbyterian Hospital and that they have XYZ license. Yeah. Um, they have to do that every time that they start working at a new hospital, right? Um, ah. So they have to be able to provide that information um, and uh, provide that as an attestation, right? Uh, something yeah. that they can actually prove exists. Um, how interesting would it be for, for someone to have access to that information themselves, own that, and then really manage the consent of that data? Because it's actually quite cumbersome and also um, a really slow process that's quite expensive when you think about it because that individual could actually be working in the hospital while all that credentialing takes place. Yeah, whoa. I don't even think about that. <laughs> that's yeah. like if you like like lying on your resume. Like you couldn't do that. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that is a plus. Um, so those are very cool use cases and all different in the healthcare mm-hmm. um, world. This also ties in, now that I'm thinking about it, into like the insurance stuff. Yeah, exactly, which we've done so much of, right? So yeah. we focus traditionally in PNC. Mm-hmm. Um, but increasingly, we're seeing a lot in life, yeah. Um, which I think correlates quite a lot to health, right? Yeah, it definitely does. And we had Ryan Rugg on the podcast talking a little bit about insurance. Um, and that's another use case that's just super important and is taking off. Um, so that is very cool. So you kind of touched on this, but what's the difference between public and private blockchains? And which one is more suitable for healthcare? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, as an entity building a particular blockchain application, you really have to understand what the need for your application is, mm-hmm. the type of information you're going to be sharing with the participants in the network, and who those participants actually are. Um, obviously, a blockchain is not a solution to every single problem, mm-hmm. and there are lots of different kind of flavors out there. Um, public blockchains are just like they sound. Uh, they're open to to other entities to join. Anyone can download the software, run a node. Everyone gets a copy of the data. Um, consensus is public, so everyone in the network needs to come to consensus about the validity of any particular transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but this also means that consensus is slower, right? And that there's often an economic incentive needed for validation, um, like what we see in proof of stake, um, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, public blockchains face, I say, greater um, privacy and scalability issues, as well as reliance on these kind of native crypto assets to really grease the wheels uh, of the platform um, Mm -hmm. versus some of the kind of permissioned blockchain platforms we see out there, which require new members to join the network based on invitation. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know the participants in the network, it's more of a peer-to-peer architecture. There's no native crypto asset because consensus is more lightweight um, and also as a result can support multiple different kind of consensus algorithms like Byzantine fault tolerance, which is what we see in Corda. Um, Mm -hmm. This means that permissioned uh, blockchains are often faster and cheaper to run. Um, and we built Corda really um, for that reason, right? We wanted to create a very scalable platform um, for B2B enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's pros and cons to each, right? Uh, if the barrier to entry for a participant um, doesn't really matter, if you want everyone in the network to have knowledge about something, and if what you're transacting is really low volume, then perhaps a public blockchain is a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking to enable greater privacy and scalability and throughput, um, then I'm of the belief that a private blockchain would be a better fit. Very cool. That was a very great, good way of explaining <laughs> those two. So what will be the biggest hurdle when transitioning over to this technology for this industry? Yeah, so I think there are a couple, right? And these resonate in other industries as well. Um, firstly, you have to think about regulation, right? In the context of healthcare, does this touch on HIPAA, on the Drug and Quality and Security Act, uh, for some of the supply chain pharma stuff that I mentioned, um, FDA regulation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any company has to take this seriously as it could truly stagnate the work that they're doing. Um, yeah. As you know, at R3, we've taken this really seriously from the start. We've mm-hmm. worked with regulators to understand exactly you know, what, what the regulation is, how our particular blockchain implementation and platform addresses that, um, and, and you know, what it is that our potential customers have to abide by. Yeah. And secondly, you know, I think you have to think about costs. Uh, what motivates a company to think about blockchain? Is it cost savings because of inefficiencies in existing processes, or is it potential for new products and business lines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, you know, for some of these more retail patient-centric use cases um, that I mentioned, you have to think about the customer experience. Uh, if patients are actually to become these kind of autonomous digital stewards of their own medical data, they need some way uh, to manage that data, right, in the same way that you would manage an asset. So, for example, you're going to need a wallet, a password, a yeah. key, uh, mechanisms to, to manage those um, kind of lost digital assets like forgotten passwords and lost keys. Um, you need to think through those. Patients and providers need to share um, that information with each other to unlock the patient data, but you also have to manage that. Mm-hmm. And that's quite cumbersome, right? And that puts a lot of responsibility on the patient to be able to control that. Um, and we're making an assumption and thinking that everyone actually wants access to that, right? Not everyone Ooh. wants to manage their data. Not everyone knows how to. Um, <laughs> so for example, like what happens if you get into a car accident? and Mm -hmm. you're no longer able to provide that kind of information yourself what happens to your data then right whoa you can't you can't really manage it yeah you can't really 
give anyone consent to your data. Whoa. So that's about, an right? interesting thing to think about, too. Especially, like, that's very specific to this industry, too, with your healthcare. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, people lost access to their wallets, right, when Bitcoin was at its height, yeah. which made many people very <laughs> upset. Um, <laughs> imagine if that was the case for your health data as well. Yeah. So what's your favorite thing about working with me? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> You're the <kidding>. best. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. So what's your favorite thing about working in this industry? Yeah, so funny enough, I think it's the intersection of different industries. Yeah. Uh, and, and why I say that is because at the end of the day, um, processes are quite similar from a functional perspective, irrespective of the use case or industry, right? So mm-hmm. I find that much of what we've learned um, about architecturally from the work that we've done in insurance and financial services translates quite well to healthcare, uh, mm-hmm. supply chain, telco, et cetera, right? So I'm excited to see how those industries evolve and what the adoption curve looks like for them. Um, will it be faster than what we've seen in financial services Uh, because there are lessons learned. Um, I'm quite curious to see how that evolves. So I think that that's the most interesting part. It's also such a fast-moving industry, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it is education, just learning about the different kind of alternatives out there. Um, But they're always changing. So there's a lot of learning. (laughs) uh, So much learning. I learn so much on this podcast all the time. And you make an amazing point about the all the different industries. Like I almost can't. I mean, we have people specialize. Obviously, you're specializing Mm -hmm. in healthcare, and um, there's Ryan Rugg Insurance, and we have all these different um, fields we're working in. But for me, who I do marketing, I'm kind of overarching, Mm -hmm. like learning about everything. It is fascinating how many like these industries and how we're like learning from how we started in financial Mm -hmm. services and taking all those regulations and keeping that in mind now we can expand out to other industries and it's remarkable yeah certainly i mean if you think about healthcare like what is healthcare right it's identity it's um it's financial services to some extent right your claims need to be paid out it's insurance Yeah. Uh, it's the provenance of that data. Yeah. Um, so it's quite an intersection of a lot of different industries that we have quite a lot of experience in. So it's interesting to see how it's materializing and how um, our partners have traditionally focused on one industry are now focusing on others as mm-hmm. um, there's more interest in the field for those and there's more customer demand. So. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm like, hey, that is like the best part about working in this industry. <laughs> I totally agree with you. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy. We did a little ping pong back and forth Mm -hmm. trying to get you on. (laughs) But I'm happy we finally got you on. Maybe I can convince you to come back on again sometime in the future. Well, thank you so much. Everyone look out for Stephanie. You've written um, blogs before. Mm -hmm. So I will link to those so people can get to know you a little bit better. Perfect. Why not? (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye. The reason the podcast exists is because of people like you who listen to it, share it, like it, subscribe to uh, the podcast on your favorite podcast app. So thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Uh, feel free to follow R3 on Twitter at InsideR3, at Corda Blockchain for more Corda kind of centric updates. You can follow at Bread and Rudder if you want to follow my personal Twitter. Uh, be warned that it will be filled with life kind of funny updates, in my opinion, and also mixed with business. Uh, so, as my friend Colin Platt told me, it's a very interesting Twitter to uh, follow. So, thank you, everyone. Next episode coming out soon.